Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, episode six, Tech Talk, Sanitation. Welcome to the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast, where we are building profitable food businesses, one product, one process, one thought at a time. Now here's your host, Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele. Hello, and welcome to episode six of the podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you. I'm actually recording this while I'm out at a uh, client's. I'm in a, a darkened conference room at a hotel so I can get a good sound. So glad you could join us. Today, we're going to talk about cleaning and sanitation. And if you stick around, you'll hear about how you you will know if you are doing the key parts of your good manufacturing practices program right. Okay, so I'm Dr. P and here at the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute and Dirigo Food Safety, I am in facilities all the time like this week because they're like doing sanitation flat wrong and then disaster strikes and then God forbid recall and I hate it and I don't want to have it happen to you. So I was talking with a client recently, and this was in fact the inspiration for this episode. They make this really amazing ready-to-eat food, and a ready-to-eat food is something that people consume right out of the package. These foods are often a high, high risk for listeria. Boom! These folks got a listeria positive. Then. There's all of this dread about the product, about what happened. I walked them through it and they have a plan. They aren't getting recalled, but ugh, no one wants that pain. You want to have confidence in your sanitation program. You want to know that your sanitation isn't actually increasing the likelihood of a recall instead of maybe decreasing it. And imagine knowing that your workers are doing what they're supposed to do, how they are supposed to do it, and they aren't going to harm themselves with chemicals to boot. They are all about making sure that your customer doesn't get sick. And isn't that, of course, what your sanitation program is all about? But that's where, like, it hurts, though, right? You really aren't sure what's going on with your sanitation program, and if you're doing it right, and if you're protecting your business and your customers. Well, folks, I want you to worry no more because in this episode, we are totally going to map out just exactly what you are supposed to be doing with your sanitation program. So let's just dive right on into it. And we're going to start with the actual chemicals because that's where most people start to get into overwhelm. And the first thing that you need to know is the differences between cleaning, sanitation, and disinfection. So cleaning removes like the literal dirt and goo and food that you can see on all the surfaces. All right. Then we have sanitation, which reduces your bacterial load to an acceptable level. And then finally, we have disinfection, where you kill all the bacteria. That's sticking something in an autoclave and 
mostly in food, we don't actually do this. We don't need to kill all of the bacteria. We just need to reduce it to an acceptable level. So in food, we do cleaning and sanitation. The next ingredient in sanitation program is water, okay? You must do cleaning and sanitation with potable water, and it can be very disastrous if you do not. But what I want you to remember is, is that while sometimes the solution to pollution is dilution, in cleaning and sanitation, you by and large can't power wash away your problems. And you'll use up epic, epic, epic amounts of water doing that and not get the results that you want. Because you can't power wash away most, if any, fats, proteins, or sugars on a surface. Okay, so those are some definitions, and then there's the first component of what we use, which is water. Next, you must absolutely know what kind of chemicals that you are using. Most food production companies have a chemicals contract, and most food production companies don't actually understand what chemicals they're buying or what they're doing, but they probably know the brand name. So kudos to the chemicals companies for actually being able to pull that off. So the first thing to know is that your cleaning and sanitation program, we're going to focus first on cleaning, okay? And cleaning happens with soap, and soap actually has a chemical definition. It is called a salt of a fatty acid. So a fatty acid is a long chain of carbohydrates, okay, that has a hydrogen on the end of it, May, that will get what we call donated to solution. So that, that hydrogen um, can leave that long chain of, of carbohydrate, okay? Lots of different kinds of fatty acids out there in the world. When you take that hydrogen and instead replace it with a metal like sodium, you create a salt of a fatty acid, okay? And that makes soap. We have more acidic soaps, we have more basic soaps and we have more neutral soaps. And which soap you use is dependent on what you are trying to clean. And you may need different kinds of soaps for different kinds of surfaces in your facility. And I find this a lot in facilities where they are using um, dairy products and you need one kind of soap, you know, a very acidic soap up on your food contact surfaces. But that very acidic soap is going to destroy your floor and you need a much more neutral soap on your floor to get the goo off your floor. Okay, So understand, and your chemical rep will help you with this, but understand whether or not you need an acid, a base, or a neutral. Okay. If you have other questions about that, of course, you can always get in touch with us. We're, you know, you can DM me over on Instagram if you want. We're the food business coach, okay? So that's our soaps, all right? Next, we have sanitizers, okay? And remember, sanitizers are what reduce bacterial load to an acceptable level. Sanitizers work in a couple of different ways, basically. Some of them break open cell membranes and disrupt the proteins in the cells to destroy them. Some sanitizers break bonds between cells, thereby destroying the cells. 
and then some sanitizers bond to proteins in the cells and disrupt how they work and then therefore destroy the cell, okay? Sanitation destroys any bacterial load that you have left on your surface. So we, we clean with soap and then we sanitize with sanitizers to disrupt the bacteria that might be left on your surface, okay? That's the general idea. So now let's talk about how you actually clean. And this is, I don't wanna say a super complicated process, but you have to do it methodically and deliberately to get the result that you want. So the first thing that you're gonna do is you're gonna break down everything that can be broken down. You're gonna leave it out on a table or a surface for cleaning. Next, you're gonna wet down all of your surfaces and your equipment using low pressure water. Using low pressure water not only prevents the overspray of goo onto other surfaces that you might not think of cleaning, but it also saves you a ton of money on your water bill. Yes, there are some things that need higher pressure to come off, but high pressure shouldn't really be your first line of defense against stuff stuck on your surfaces, okay? If there's stuff stuck on your surfaces by the end of the day, you might need to institute a short washdown in the middle of the day, something to consider. All right, so we've wet down all of our surfaces, and now you're gonna use your soap and you have to somehow get the soap on the surfaces, and normally we call this foaming because people use foaming guns. So get out your foaming sprayer, or for heaven's sakes, you can get a bucket of soapy water. It all sort of depends on the size of the surfaces that you need to clean, but use, an, use a fairly large amount of soap. If you're using a foaming sprayer, we generally say you need to have an inch of foam sticking to the surfaces. Now, here's a really key part. I need you to look at a clock. You look at a clock and you start spraying. And your soap, without exception, needs to sit on your surfaces for seven minutes. It's an absolute minimum of seven minutes. But then you're looking at me and saying, well, what the heck do I do? I've just sprayed down my room and it's only been three minutes. Well, guess what? You have to scrub. You have to go make sure that you brought your scrub brushes in with you, your little green scrubbies. Uh, anything really works except a sponge, of course. We don't use sponges in food production. And get in there and scrub all of the surfaces, all right? There is absolutely no substitute for elbow grease. And your efforts in scrubbing are aimed at removing grit and grime that you can't see, but also biofilms that are where bacteria are building up, okay? So you're gonna hit every surface and scrub it, and then taking probably a gloved hand, run your hand over the surface and make sure it feels clean. Stainless steel, when it's clean, has no imperfections as it runs underneath your fingers, and you've gotta be able to feel that. If it feels nubbly or slimy or in any other way not smooth, it's not clean, go back and re-clean it. Once you've done all of that, seven minutes has elapsed, and if you're scrubbing correctly, I assure you, seven minutes will elapse really, really fast. You're gonna rinse your soap off. You're gonna rinse from the bottom up using low pressure water. 
once you have done all of that, you're finally going to go ahead and sanitize. Okay. When you sanitize, the first thing that you have to do is check your sanitizer concentration because your sanitizer concentration has a super big effect on how it actually cleans and on whether or not you need to rinse it off your food contact surfaces. Most sanitizers that we use need to be diluted to parts per million where they're okay for use on on food contact surfaces. And for most of them, that's under 400 parts per million. For bleach, it's under 200 parts per million. You need to check this concentration with test strips, and you can get those test strips from the Granger catalog. But beware, you have to know what your sanitizer is so that you can order the correct test strip. Okay, feel free to ask questions at the Food Business Coach over on Instagram. Okay, so you're going to take that tested concentration of sanitizer and you're going to spray down all of your surfaces, all the equipment that you laid out, everything, and then you're going to walk away, okay? Because we leave that sanitizer to set. Most sanitizers take about 20 minutes to work. You don't have to wait around for it because if you're cleaning at the end of the night, the next time you're going to use the stuff is tomorrow morning. So, we, we leave everything out and we don't reassemble it after we put sanitizer on. So that's the, that's the methodology of cleaning and sanitizing at the end of the day. So then the question becomes, when legally am I required to do this? And this actually has a fairly complex answer. In USDA facilities, you need to do cleaning and sanitation so that your whole place is clean at pre-op. By the letter of the law, actually, you don't actually have to clean at night. However, I'm not gonna lie, I really don't recommend leaving your place crusty and gross. So what normally we do is we clean at night and then we go in in the morning and we do what we call a pre-op sanitation, which is a checklist and looking and making sure everything is clean. For high-risk food contact surfaces, we re-clean and we re-sanitize, okay? And we do that because you never know what happened overnight. And really, actually, most sanitizers only last four hours. But if you have clean surfaces, you can just put sanitizer on it and you're fine. In most other facilities, we clean at night after the production day, and then we check everything in the morning. The higher the risk of your food, the more I recognize I, I would recommend re-sanitizing in the morning. And then finally, if you have a high-risk food like ground beef, you absolutely must break down and clean and sanitize your grinder and your bandsaw after four, yes, that's four, continuous hours of use, especially if you're cutting in a room above 40 degrees. Yes, this can in fact be a pain. No, it's not optional. And it is one of the very best ways you can control for pathogens, especially cytotoxin E. coli. Okay, so that's when you actually clean. So then when you're done cleaning, that's when we do ATP testing. Not everybody does ATP testing, but I sure recommend it, especially if you're starting out. Go through cleaning and sanitation, then get some sponges from your laboratory. If you need a laboratory to work with, by all means, get in touch with me at the Food Business Coach over on Instagram. 
when you do your ATP testing, send that off and then look at the results, okay? And that starts to develop what we call a heat map of your facility. The higher your ATP levels, the less well you are cleaning, okay? So our goal is to get ATP levels to very, very, very low, okay? And then finally, what you have to do is develop one of the very most important skills you can have in your whole entire production facility, but also during sanitation. And that's observation. While you are cleaning and sanitizing, you need to take a step back and think about what does your equipment look like? Like, where is it wearing down? Has anything broken? Is anything rusty? This really actually is the best place to start your preventive or your productive maintenance program. And don't worry, we will totally cover that in another podcast. Okay? So, there are some other things to keep in mind. If you make a ready-to-eat food, sanitation is often the only way you have to control for listeria. And that means that you need to keep track of your sanitation like any other critical control point, even though we may call it something different. So if you're under the preventive controls rule, you need to have a sanitation preventive control. If you're under fisheries HACCP, you have something called sanitary control procedures. And if you're a USDA meat and poultry, your sanitation actually has to have verification, validation, corrective actions, observations, records review, all those sorts of things that we would normally associate with a critical control point. Sanitation is so important that USDA makes you do all of that for your sanitation operations as well. So knowing all of this, what do you do now? Well. The first and best thing that you can do is observe your system. And your easiest thing to do is to get out a timer and see if soap is sitting on your surfaces long enough. Okay? Soap sitting on your surfaces long enough is the single best thing you can do to make sure that there is no bacteria left to get on to your food from your surfaces. Okay? If you need some help figuring all of this out, you can come on over to sfbdi.com slash podcast six, and you can download our pre-op checklist, and this will actually help you understand how to get your day started right. I totally know it is easier to keep on doing what you're doing, but great cleaning and sanitation is your best defense against a serious problem. Yes, it costs more money to pay people to clean well, but I promise that cost pales in comparison to a recall or what you'll feel if you make somebody sick. That's all for today, folks. Y'all have a great week. Hey there. If you like what we talk about on this podcast, you just have to join us over at The Power Group. We take all this material and we study it And then we take it to the next level and we apply it. Join us by going to sfbdi.com slash power group. That's sfbdi.com slash power group. You've been listening to Dr. Michelle Fannin-Steele on the Smallholder Food Business Development Institute podcast. We hope you loved the show. For more information and show notes, please find us at 
sfbdi.com. Thanks for listening.